Welcome back to another episode of the Dear Younger Me podcast. My name is Whitney. I'm going to be the podcast host today. So excited for you guys to be back for another episode and also so excited to have a new mic that sounds so much better. So thank you for bearing with us in episode one. We're still learning these things. Today's episode is Dear Younger Me, You'll Find Purpose in the Pain. So let's get to it. For this episode, I would love to just start at the very beginning of my life and the loss that I feel like really shaped my view of the world for a very long time. And sometimes it still does, if I'm being honest with you. I grew up in so many places from the age of birth to four years old. It started with my aunt's house when I was brought back from the hospital. Then it was my grandma's. And then it was some apartments here and there. Looking back, I have so many good memories in these places, but I can't help but feel that it was all a little chaotic for such a young age. I didn't have a mom and a dad that were in love and had planned me. I had a wonderful mother. She loved me unconditionally and always had my back, still does, but I never knew my biological father. He was a ghost to me, someone I longed for, but a mystery, and that's where it all started, with a mystery. Who was my father, and why didn't he want to be a part of my life, to watch me grow, to be there when I needed to get away from school, when the clicks got bad, or when I had my first breakup? Up until I was four, I was certain I knew who my father was. His name was Phil, and he was pretty much the coolest guy ever. He could make me laugh, he played with me, and most of all, he really seemed to love my mom. It seemed like we were a happy family, and then one day, he moved away, And I wondered why or how he could leave his family in the States and just move to Canada. His family was there, my mom had told me, but I just kept thinking to myself, his family's here. It's with us. I remember sitting in the car at four years old, my knees pressed up against my chest, and my mom told me that Phil wasn't my father. And the mystery of my father pressed on. Who was he? Where was he? I spent years wondering. Until one day, when I was around the age of seven, I was sick at home with the flu and I heard a knock at the door. My mom asked me to go get it and half-clothed because I was so sick, I answered the door to a strange man that I had never seen before. He was tall, dirty blonde hair like me. My mom quickly came over to the door and brushed me away, telling me to go to my room. I had the strangest feeling in the pit of my stomach, like this man was my father. But what was he doing here now? Was he wanting to know me? Was he going to finally be a part of my life? Sadly, my mom later shared that he came to ask if he could DNA test me to see if I was truly his child because he no longer wanted to pay child support and he wanted to start his own family. Ouch. I was too young to understand then, but man, what a blow to the chest that is. And I didn't know it then, but... That's where the abandonment wound started to open. And it stung. And I just wanted a remedy. Anything. Years passed, and I asked questions when I could. My mom didn't know that much either, but she tried her best to tell me good things about my dad and his family. I had two other half-siblings. Can you imagine, as 12 years old, finding out that you had more siblings? The joy that that brought to my face was boundless. I wanted to know these people. I wanted to know my father, and I wanted him to want to know me. I envisioned what it would be like to meet him countless times in my head. 
as I'm sure a lot of kids do that don't have their parents. Most of the times would be at my grandma's house. That's where I spent so much of my time as a child. She lived in this small one bedroom along the Little Miami River in Ohio with a gravel driveway that we would park on and then you would walk down the gravel driveway to her front door. It was like the house was on a hill, just a steady incline until you hit the water. I imagine my dad parking at the top of the gravel driveway, getting out of his car, and my pale legs racing as fast as I could up the hill to jump onto him and hug him for eternity. It's all I wanted, for my dad to come find me. I'd rip little letters out of my Staples notepad when I was on bike rides, and I'd write, I love you, Dad, or I miss you, Dad. And I'd drop them on the ground and watched as they tumbled down the road in the fall, the brisk fall wind carrying a letter that younger me hoped would end up in my father's hands. And it was just years of disappointment that passed because he never did. When I was 14 years old, my first year in high school came to a close, and my family started going to Norris Lake in Tennessee with some family friends. It was pretty much every kid's perfect summer weekend. Kids my age, water sports, late night talks and card games, so many snacks, all of the orange crush. (laughs) Life was so good. We headed back to Ohio, but before we even made it all the way back, my stepdad stopped at our family farm also one of my safe havens. He had to mow or do some work down there because we didn't live at the farm full time. So my cousin and I just hung out while he was working and my cousin and I giggled all night long in the back bedroom, mostly because I decided that I was going to put fate with my father into my own hands. I was going to show up at his house, unannounced of course, and ask him where he's been Some of the other silly details that I said that I was going to show up and bust his door down with the bat, but seriously, I was planning on doing this as soon as I got back home, all jokes aside. I was tired of the mystery. I didn't deserve a mystery. I deserved to know my father. So we got back to Ohio, and we were unloading the car, and I walked into the house with my bag on my shoulder, and my mom was sitting at the kitchen table, and she just looked upset. Her gaze was down, so I walked over to her, And I remember the second my eyes locked with hers, and I just knew that my father had died. And I just said to her, he's dead, isn't he? And with this surprised look on her face, she said, yes. But before she could get anything else out, I just felt pulled to go outside, to breathe, to have a conversation with God. And as I was standing in the grass in our backyard, just looking up at the sky, I asked God why. Why now? Why just as I was going to make an effort and change the course of this awful situation, walking around the world, not knowing half of me? Why would he take that away? Why would he do this to me when my life was already so chaotic, so dysfunctional? I just wanted normal. And I just felt like he had taken that away. And I didn't know why. What had I done to deserve this? After finding out my dad died, it's like a door closed that never really got to be opened. But I wanted so desperately for it to be. It felt like a part of me died right along with him. Would I ever get that piece of me back? And man, I know that some of you listening have had loss like that, where you are just asking God, why? Why me? Like, haven't, haven't you hurt me enough? 
God, haven't you done enough to me? And we act like God has this like justice system. Like if you're a good person, you get only good. If you're bad, you only receive bad. And man, that is not true. God is a just God. He loves justice. But God, his character is not of death. It's not to make you suffer. It's not for you to lose everything you love in this world. God's character is love. And if you're lost, if your suffering can catapult someone to him, to his love, then man, he's going to keep that. He's going to take the opportunity to turn death into life, to bring beauty from ashes. And I'm going to tell you a couple stories here in just a second of how he did that for me. And I know that he can do it for you. When we found out about my dad passing away because we weren't close, we actually didn't find out until a month after when child support had called my mom. So I never got to go to the funeral which honestly brought a lot of closure issues. But that's when the depression started. The anxiety, the feelings of hopelessness, the mindset that these cards I was given was intentional and it was because I wasn't enough. I wasn't worthy of a good, healthy family. My dad didn't love me. I didn't deserve happiness. And that mindset played like a broken record over and over in my head until one day, my sophomore year of high school, in the late winter, I was home alone, and these thoughts just flooded me. It was dark outside, and I was in my room cleaning. I was vacuuming, home alone. The house was silent, something it hadn't been in so long. No more screaming parents, my mom and my stepdad arguing. No more chaos, just silence. All of a sudden, this terrible feeling overwhelmed me. My heart felt so alone. I was sick of feeling like this, abandoned, like I was the burden. I started walking into the kitchen and I opened up to one of the drawers. My fingers stroked the blades in the knife drawer. I picked one up and I held it up to my stomach. I won't ever forget the voice in my head saying, Whitney. You're worth nothing. Killing yourself would make those you love happier. I sobbed as I questioned myself. Was this true? I kept trying to make a list of who would give a shit if I just killed myself right here in this kitchen. I tried to play it out in my head and how much time I would even lie here on the ground bleeding out until someone noticed me. No one ever notices me, I thought. It would take my blood smeared across my kitchen floor for anyone to give a shit. And even then, I'd be forgotten about within days. It was these thoughts on replay for a whole two minutes, but it felt like an eternity. My thoughts silenced, and another voice chimed in. Whitney, my child, you are perfect. I created you in my image. I have always loved you. I will always love you. And I will never leave you. My sweaty hands let go of the razor-sharp knife that was pressed firmly against my skin. And I watched my reflection disappear in the silver as it traveled further away and eventually struck the floor. 
I remember running into my room and just sitting in my closet. My arms were wrapped around my legs and my head buried in between, rocking back and forth. Tears were falling from my face because for the first time, I found God. Moments later, my mom found me in my closet, rocking back and forth. She sat down with me and just embraced me. In those moments, I can honestly say, I saw God in my mother. I look back now, and God saved me. It was the first time I ever felt like I heard God's voice, and I saw God in someone. And from then, the Holy Spirit just started to show up in my life. The next week, um, I went to a retreat. It was called Sophomore Day of Reflection, and I you know, had been feeling depressed, obviously. I was having suicidal ideations. Um, I still wasn't okay, even though, you know, God did speak to me. I remember just sitting there like, please get this day over with. I don't have time emotionally, mentally. I don't have the space to be here, you know? And I remember hearing one of the girls speak and I just kept listening, like, am I hearing this right? She was sharing a story about how she waited until high school to fly across the country to meet her dad. She had bought the tickets, and before the date came, he passed away suddenly. And just like that, something in me got set off. And you can call it a coincidence or whatever you want, but for the first time in months since my dad had died, I felt connected to another person. And in that moment, that was enough. God was showing me that I was not alone, that I'm worthy, and the voice in my head telling me that the only way out was suicide, was wrong. And the next year was my junior year, and this was the pivotal retreat. Sophomore day of reflection was just a taste of what my junior retreat would be like. You know, we heard stories that day. We were all sitting in a room with people talking about their experience with loss and tragedy and the hard things in life and where God met them in that. And that was amazing. You know, I found that girl that had a similar story to me and I found a connection. I felt God saying, you're not alone. But junior year, the junior retreat was different because we were in a small group and its purpose was to bond with other people. You know, people have been in different places and, and God shows up in the darkest of places. When we least expect it, we realize that sometimes when we're going through the valley of the shadow of death, he's carrying us. You're like, where's God? He's, you know, he's not right here but you realize there's only one footprint in the sand and it's because he's carrying you. And that's what it was for me. Junior retreat was the moment that I felt God chose me. I sat around a circle with a few of my classmates. One was on the basketball team. Another was in my math class. The point is I did not know these girls. The room was dark and the only light was coming from the candle in the middle of the circle the light of Christ. It was just flickering as a room full of teenagers got ready to share the most vulnerable parts of their lives. 
and introverted me was scared. I had never told my story to anybody. I don't even think anybody knew that my dad died. But all of a sudden, as I saw that light flicker in the middle of the circle, I felt it in my chest to share this because somebody needed to hear it. God wanted me to know that this is not my burden to carry. And I felt my dad wanted me to know that I was going to be okay. And so I did. I shared my story with these girls. I talked about the letters in the wind, the letters that I'd rip out of my Staples notebook that said, I love you, dad, or I miss you, dad. I'd fold them in half, set them on the street, and watch as the fall wind carried them away. And I prayed that they'd end up in my dad's hands and he'd come find me. After I told my story and listened to those around me, I just wondered how a tragedy could bring so many people together. How could I feel all of these amazing feelings about life and the people around me after talking about the lowest point in my life. But it does, and I do. I'm here now because of the loss of my dad. Through his death, I have found life. I know that a lot of people have dealt with loss or been to the dark place that I went to, and you think that you're invisible. And if you're thinking that right now, maybe you're like, yeah, that's totally me. No one notices me or my pain. They don't see my struggles, and I feel like I'm doing this life thing alone. But you're not. You're not invisible. I see you. God sees you. God, the creator of the universe, created you in his image, and he's got a plan for you. He sees your pain, your fears, your hopes, your dreams, your future, and it is such a good one. I never thought that the loss of my dad would turn into something that I could share as a testimony to bring other people closer to Jesus. I never thought that my testimony could help someone reconnect with their parent, with a sibling, with a friend. The power that God has to take our brokenness and turn it into beauty is something we will never understand but it is so real and there is a place where there will be no more suffering. And that's what we can look forward to. That's what we have to set our minds on. That God didn't make suffering. He didn't want us to experience death, loss, tragedy. God created us for love and love will always win. There's one thing I want you to take away from my story. Anytime that I've experienced suicidal ideation because of the loss of my father, because of that big abandonment wound. There was always a voice telling me to stay. And no matter what capacity it was in, it always boiled down to love. God loves me. He loves you. He has a future for you. He didn't bring you all the way here for nothing. He has so much in store for you. If you just lean in, if you just open your heart to the possibility that your loss can be turned into someone's hope to keep going, because that's what it is. When we share our hard moments with people, 
when we share what would be we've been through, we are giving other people a roadmap. And the roadmap leads to God because none of us would be here without him, without him leaving the 99 to chase us down time and time again. And let me tell you right now, he has chased me down so many times. And if you just stop for a second in the dark place that you're in, in the loss, in the grief, in the tragedy, in the suffering, if you just take a second, I promise that you will hear him. You'll hear his voice so clear telling you that you're worthy, you're loved, you have a purpose, you were made for glory, you were made for eternity. And when you take that moment in the silence, you realize that he did not leave you. He's not beside you. He's not above you. He's not below you, but he is carrying you. And if you just really take a second, if you just take in the fact that maybe God could be speaking to you in different ways than you ever possibly could imagine. The day my dad died, the sky was so blue. It was the most beautiful summer day. And looking back, I could just feel the warmth of God comforting me. And it's happened with mentors. God places people in your life to remind you that you're not alone, to speak life into you, to tell you you're worthy. It's the Holy Spirit moving and we don't even realize it. I want you to close your eyes for a minute as we wrap up. I want you to think of your worst day on the day where you feel like giving up like you're worthless, like God's forgotten about you, like he hasn't answered your prayers. I want you to drown out the voices that are telling you that you're not worth it, that nobody understands you or no one loves you. I want you to know that you are so loved, even if you don't see it, even if you don't believe it. Listen to the voice whispering, you are perfect. I created you and I love you. I will always love you. Open your eyes. That voice is God. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of the Dear Younger Me podcast. If you like what you're listening to, leave us a review or a rating and tell your friends and family. You can also subscribe for future podcasts. As always, it is so lovely to be able to talk with you guys about the really hard stuff and get each other through it. You can follow along on social media at Dear Younger Me podcast underscore. Thanks for tuning in and we'll see y'all next time.